This episode is sponsored by Morgan Morgan Fitness. You can check her out at morganmorganfitness.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Crowning Moment. My name is Casey Gibson, and today we have another special guest, and she's going to introduce herself. It's so nice to join you. This is so much fun. I'm Kim Parrish. Um, My bio is kind of all over the place. I guess you could say I'm a TV host and a brand builder in the pageant industry. You may know me as the former president of Miss America's Outstanding Teen, MAO Teen, the teen division for Miss America. But I guess the roots behind it all kind of began way back when I was doing pageants really young and then decided that it was literally through pageants that my career goals would be able to come into play. I'd set a goal of working on national TV by the time I was 25. So I had journaled that when I was 16 and I didn't know how this was going to happen. So literally I thought if I compete in the Miss America system, maybe I'll be able to figure it out. And I did, I actually won the title of Miss West Virginia. I learned incredibly ne- uh, incredible networking skills, public uh, speaking skills, uh, the ability to book my own appearances, got a job in TV, and then walked through the doors of QVC at 25 years old as their youngest national TV host. So from there, I spent 10 years on QVC as a host and then decided it was time for me to venture out and develop my own brand. I developed a clothing collection called the Kim Parrish Collection, and it was available internationally on the Home Shopping Network, Shopping BC, as well as uh, QBC in the UK and the Shopping Channel in Canada. Simultaneously, I was asked to run Miss America's Outstanding Teen when it was just starting out in its infancy. So I was able to build that brand to be able to award $33 million in college scholarships and develop some really cool programs like Teens in Training Camp and taking the Princess Camp program that I kind of stole from the Miss South Carolina organization, Joe and Gail Sanders at the time, and an amazing Princess program. And we trademarked Princess Camp from it and um, rolled it out as a franchise to all the states. So it was so much fun to be able to see that mentoring program really come to life. And then simultaneously, again, I was asked to um, develop an anti-aging skincare line with a powerhouse company called Guthy Ranker. So I did. I developed a line called Crepe Erase, which is now available literally everywhere, but you can find it on QVC with me. It's available at Infomercial. I shot some really cool infomercials with one of my role models, Jane Seymour, who is gorgeous and doesn't age. So I guess you could say I'm kind of like a serial entrepreneur and brand builder. That is so awesome. Well, I'm so glad to have you here, Kim. This was one of those episodes, I say this every time, but I was super excited to have this one. As soon as you replied, I remember calling my mom and I'm like, you will not believe who just agreed to be on the podcast. And one of the big things that you mentioned was being over the Miss America's Outstanding Teen Organization. So let's jump into that a little bit and then we'll come back to talking about QVC and all of your awesome things that you've done, especially that goal setting aspect. That is something that girls will definitely want to hear and dive into a little more. So right off the bat, let's talk about Miss America's Outstanding Team. There has been some huge changes in the Miss America organization in the past two years, you know, through COVID and 2.0 Miss America. What is some little insight that you could give us on what you learned through the changes of the Miss America organization from when you competed as Miss West Virginia to now the 2.0 Miss America? Wow. I mean, I competed. I think the dinosaurs were still roaming the earth. Um, I am celebrating my 30th anniversary this year. So, which is kind of crazy. I'm not very good at math, but I think I'm 
like, I, I think I'm only 39, right? <laughs> so how does that work out? I must have been nine when I competed. But I mean, at the time, you think about this, in 1992, the platform statement was just beginning. Kehlani Ray Rafko um, had been crowned Miss America just a couple years earlier, and she was all about giving back into the community. So the platform statement was created, and we were some of the first people to be in the communities building our own um, brands of awareness. And it was funny because at the time, they we weren't trademarking them as a nonprofit organization. We were actually just calling it like little acronyms like STARS or get out the vote or just, you know, fun little things. Now kids are taking it, which I love to develop into their own nonprofit organizations. It's kind of funny because having run MAO Teen and being surrounded by incredible platforms or social impact causes, as they call them now, um, I have two sons, a 16 year old and a 13 year old, and they're little entrepreneurs too. So when they started to get involved in community service, the first thing that I did was just encourage them to build their own particular brands. So they have award winning, they do have an award winning nonprofit. They've won, um, uh, amazing awards like the EPA um, President's Environmental Youth Award, Prudential Spirit of Community Award, the Lightning Community Hero of Tomorrow Award. They've collected over a hundred thousand dollars in um, in donations. They've donated over 175,000 books. My youngest was on the Drew Barrymore show. So you could say what I learned from running MAO Teen and being surrounded and my kids being surrounded by these incredible role models um, has really impacted the lives of my sons. That is absolutely amazing. I did not know this coming into this. You know, I followed you on Instagram, like I had said, and I had seen you had two sons, but hearing what great things that they have been encouraged to do is so awesome. So we'll talk about them a little bit real fast. You said he was on the Drew Barrymore show. So what was that experience like for him at his age and being able to talk about their nonprofits that they have? Yeah, do you know, um, being able to develop a community service project like so many girls do throughout the, the nation, I always like to say, don't limit yourself. Don't ever be scared that you're not going to be able to do it. Just, you know, if you say, I want to collect a few books, my, my oldest son wanted to collect 500 books, and that turned into 175,000 books. My youngest son took out the trash and proclaimed that mommy wasn't recycling enough. So um, that led to a project called Zach's Planet. And from there, not just being involved, in pageants, but there are so many um, community service awards that that girls, kids can get involved in. He um, was a part of this award called Action for Nature, and he didn't even win it. He got honorable mention. It came with a like a hundred dollar prize, and and from there he they sent out press releases, and those press releases were picked up. He was able to be, it was actually kind of during COVID, he was able to be interviewed in the privacy of our own home for a local affiliate. And she said, you know, there's a possibility that he may get picked up by some national um, shows. And I'm like, yeah, right. Well, the Drew Barrymore show reached out and so did the doctor. So here he is probably nine or 10 years old, you know, freaking out, so nervous, luckily in our own house. But he was interviewed on the doctor's show and they presented him with an environmental uh, award as well. And then Drew Barrymore was fun. And I actually had a chance to be on her show with him. So I got to sit next to him while we were being interviewed by Drew. She's the coolest, most grounded, interviewer. I like her style. And, um, and she awarded him $5,000 for his work. So my point is, um, 
don't ever limit yourself in the thinking of what you're doing. And, and don't ever be scared that you don't have a voice or a message in what you're saying. You know, here my son is at 10 years old being interviewed by Drew Barrymore, telling people that it's okay, we've got to recycle, we've got to save the planet, we've got to do things to help the environment at this little cute cute face and cute voice really making a big impact and change on the community. And that's what I'm so inspired with, especially with the girls of MAO team. There's so many girls across the nation that are making huge impacts on this, on this world. And you talked about it being a nonprofit and you were there from the get go. So what was it like having to build that brand up of Miss America's Outstanding Teen being the franchise it was without being under the Miss America organization at the time? What was that whole process like? How was it getting sponsors? How did you get people to trust you with, you know, money and promoting all of these girls? Yeah, you know, it was challenging. I came on board um, two years in. So I had actually um, judged in 2007. I judged Caitlin Brunel. She had a great platform. It was called Caitlin's Closet. She collected used gowns and gave them to girls so that they could experience their prom. And um, of course, I love the organization, love to give back to the Miss America organization. So they, a friend of mine who I'd introduced to being on the board of MAO team said, we're hiring a president. And I said, I don't have time. I've got a clothing line. I'm traveling internationally. I I have a, a baby. I don't have time. And she said, Kimmy, that's what she called me. Kimmy, we need you. And I'm like, okay, fine. So, um, it was, it was tough. You know, we're two years in it's, it's a struggling new nonprofit, all nonprofits when they start out are struggling and bleeding and hurting. And it's just, it's, it's hard. But the first thing that I did, I wanted to learn every aspect of, of what we were doing. And the number one thing we had to do was figure out what our brand recognition was and then get it out there in the community. So getting, uh, I had a publicist at the time that I was working with, with my own clothing line. And so I hired her independently just to help us get the message out of what MAO team was. And then, like you said, finding sponsors. Uh, I think when it comes to sponsorships at any, at any level, it's kind of like ambulance chasing. I mean, literally, it's like, who is going to help us out because we need help. But trying to find people that have the same values that um, want to promote your organization and that understand too the limitations of what you can offer. And that was, I think, um, that was hard because Miss America was, you know, its own icon, its own entity. And we were a separate franchise of Miss America. So although I had numerous conversations with Art McMaster, you know, on a regular basis, they weren't um, a part of running the MAO teen operation. So that was challenging to be able to find our own brand awareness. And then the cool thing about it is we aren't, we weren't Miss America. So it was about having that cool teen hip, fresh vibe, that voice of the teen. And uh, I always think that the teens are the change makers. They're the ones who have the most energy in their communities. And then literally getting the national title holder once she's crowned and then seeing what kind of voice or impact she could have. For instance, one of my favorites, Olivia McMillan, um, she came to us and, and she said it on stage. She's proud of who she is. And she's not, you know, uh, she didn't identify as a thin, skinny, skinny pageant, typical pageant girl. She was maybe a size 
12, I think. And, and she embraced it and sung about it. And she felt great with who she was. And she was really about positive body image before positive body image became so trendy as it is today. So we had her on Teen Vogue and we had her in um, Seventeen Magazine. And she was making an impact, letting everybody know that it's cool to be in the skin that you're in. And I, I love that about her. And just being able to get involved with everybody and what their platforms were, their social impact initiatives, as they call them now. But um, just being able to understand how are you going to take your voice and make a difference in your community. So whether you know you're a national title holder or whether you're a, a local competitor, you know everybody has a voice. So how do we take that voice and take it to the next level? And then with those national title holders, every year new possibilities of sponsorships would come into play too. So that was nice when um, people would maybe take on the cause and then want to come and find us as well. It really does help with having different new faces every year as your title holder. They come from different walks of life. So, you know, you have the girls that are singers, so then you're going to have more singing companies that maybe want to help or donate or sponsor. Just it's really nice to have such a diverse group of girls coming in every year and giving a new aspect and a new look on the system year after year after year. And one I want to bring up just because I'm from South Carolina, a previous title holder, I want to say, was it Rachel Wyatt? That was one of the teens. Yes, she is now a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader, which has always been a life goal of mine. (laughs) But were you there when Rachel was a national title holder? Yeah, absolutely. Rachel was great. In fact, I think it, Rachel and I, we traveled to a couple different appearances together. So she was so always so respectful and just a wonderful go-getter. Loved her. Working on the program book her year was probably one of the most fun years because she's so photogenic, so gorgeous. She couldn't take a bad picture if she tried. So we would always try to make our program book more like a magazine. So it told the story of the national title holder through the pages of like a what you would find in like a 17 magazine. And so she was great to work with and loved her. And of course, um, the South Carolina organization has always been very um, inspirational. Um, to me at the time, Gail and, and Joe were running the princess camp, the princess program. So we took that concept and then decided that, well, as a nonprofit, we needed to fundraise and having a princess camp but trademarked and then helping the states use that trademarked princess camp in their states would help them fundraise as well, bringing in girls to not only bring us, you know, that immediate funding that we needed so desperately, but then also to create a foundation of future competitors. You know, Lindley Mayer was the very first princess in the state of South Carolina, and she went on to be Miss South Carolina's outstanding teen. And still today, she's helping run the princess program, um, which they, which we rebranded last year to Empower Academy. And um, she's helping run that still with Miss America. So it's getting kids involved at a really young age, letting them fall in love with an empowering program, and then keeping them involved. You mentioned how do you, you know, how do you fundraise and pay the bills and you get creative. Um, We also developed something I was very passionate about, and it was teens and training camp. And that was about taking girls 13 to 19 and teaching them life skills, not pageant skills, not necessarily like how to 
walk and wave at a parade, but um, how to do things like write a speech or give an interview, or like you say, get, get sponsorships, do your elevator pitch. You know, what is it that's going to help you later in life? And then we also, we were grant writing at the time. So a way for us to help our demographics was to create something called Prince Camp. And I created that. Um, I was inspired by my kids who were doing all of these acting camps at the time. And I'm like, why can't we do a Prince Camp? So um, for two reasons, number one, a fundraiser, very important when you run a nonprofit. And number two, I had free babysitting service during M.A. 18. <laughs> so we had Harry um, Culpepper from, from South Carolina come in and he ran it for us. So there were just so many ways to be creative, to help the bottom line of a nonprofit grow, and then also help so many people grow and gain skills within the organization. That's funny you bring up the Culpeppers. When I was competing in the Miss South Carolina Teen and Miss for America organization, those two they were the directors to have. I remember we had gone to do Hilton Head Island, not realizing that they had already given up their directorship just because we wanted to be under their directorship. They were one of those people. They got you the sponsors you needed, whatever you needed. They were fantastic. And I was so envious of the girls that had them because they did all of these great things for those girls and they loved their title holders. And that was one of those things from pageantry that I've always wanted. I wanted those directors that just cared so much about you and did anything they could to make you happy as well as that in return, getting them girls to come compete next year was so important. And those two, they definitely were one of those idol people that you wanted to have as your directors, but yeah, definitely. And I had to bring up Rachel Wyatt. She is one of those people. I was in the teen division the year that she won the year they crowned both Clemson girls, Michaela Stark and Rachel Wyatt. And she was of course, first round to miss for Miss America. That was just so awesome to be, you know, at her crowning moment. And then seeing her on stage at Miss America was one of those like memories in my head that I'm never going to forget because it's like, I know her. Like, that is so crazy to say, like, I know who Rachel White is. Yeah, she's the Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. She was in Miss America. <laughs> it's those cool things that you get to take with you from just doing pageantry and being in this community is just so awesome. And it's just one of those cool things that you just have as like a fun fact when you go into different things. But going back into the world of pageantry, of course, I, I don't know if I can ask this, but along with, I want to know your feelings. So you know, a few years ago when they had the Miss America kind of blow up with after Kara Mund and all of Sam Haskell, all of that, what was your feelings with that? Like, how did you feel from that situation? And how did you kind of help to still bring in girls to the Miss America organization after that? So I wasn't involved with MAO Teen um, uh, at that point. I left in 2016, actually January of 2017. We launched um, Prepa Race on QVC in February of 2017. So I had already said my goodbyes. And I think that the whole, uh, the beginning of the, the changes was the following December of 2017. So I had just kind of heard a little bit of what was on the news and wasn't really in contact with too many people because at that point I was starting to travel nonstop and Crepe Race was blowing up on QVC right up to the point that they were several years, I think I probably spent about 150 nights in, up in Pennsylvania in a hotel room because I, I live in Florida. So I would fly up and do my shows and then fly back down. So I wasn't too privy to anything that was going on um, with the changes of Miss America up until I received a phone call. Um, I think it must have sometime last year, 
um, from Mark Angeli, who is the um, vice president of operations. And it's so funny. I, we talk so much about how um, life flows in a certain pattern. And mine is a wonderful flowing hurricane of debris. And we just keep the debris spinning in the same direction. But Mark and I had worked together many years ago at QVC. And then I helped him get his job at Miss America. So when the transition from MAO team was taking place to come under the umbrella of Miss America. Uh, I didn't know anything about it at the time until I received a call from Mark. And he said, would you be able to come on board and help with the transition? My immediate reaction was, um, I don't have a whole lot of time, I'm, you know, but I can do what I can. And um, we had a wonderful time last year, um, really helping the transition of making sure that the girls, the, the candidates um, were comfortable and they were feeling like they weren't missing out on anything, that we didn't miss any beats, that we kept the scholarships. I was able to bring in $30 million in in-kind college scholarships by calling on some old uh, old connections that I'd had. You know, I guess the moral of the story is never burn any bridges and always keep your connections because you might call on people that you haven't talked to in a decade or, you know, five years, but you might need their help again, or you might be able to help them if you see, you know, that they need some help, always be willing to help others. Like I was willing to help Mark um, in the Miss America organization, because you just never know how it's going to benefit you or how you can benefit other people. But I did come on board last year to help with the transition and to volunteer. I was not a consultant. I was just a, a volunteer giving some opinions and being able to help with the flow of things. But um, it, it was, it was nice to be back into the Miss America organization. I had been five years removed and to be honest, hadn't paid a whole lot of attention to it. So coming back into it, just um, being able to see the people that are so passionate about this brand. It's the unpaid volunteers that work in every single state that work so hard to be able to pull off their state, um, their state pageants, their state competitions. You know, it's the candidates um, that are competing, whether they win or lose, they, they're in the system, like you said, um, sometimes over and over and over again, because they're learning something about themselves. They're questing to win, or maybe they're not, maybe they're just there to, to learn. And that's, that's what's so important about this organization is the learning process behind it. It really is. And I know for myself, when I did the Miss South Carolina Outstanding Teen Program, or in South Carolina, they only call it Miss South Carolina Teen. I went in not ever planning to win. I just wanted to learn from those who I've been watching for years and years and years competing, the Berkeley Bryants, the Michaela Starks, all of the top runners that were always in the top five. My other favorite one was Hope Harvard. She now has Hope Beauty USA. She's flourished after the pageant world. And so those were the people I just wanted to get to know and understand why they were here, how they were doing it, how they were raising so much money for Children's Miracle Network at the time. And so after that year, it was definitely just a learning experience. I just wanted to understand their why or their story, why they just kept coming back. And so going in the next year as a Miss, I was two spots in front of Susie Roberts. And that was amazing. I was in a jam-packed group with her and Sydney Ford, who were all top five front runners for Miss South Carolina. And of course, Susie going to Miss America, that was just so amazing to watch what she did backstage, her mannerism, seeing you know her mental, where she was at during competition and just seeing her have fun. She wasn't overcome by the stress or the anxiety of, oh my goodness, I have to go on stage in a swimsuit or I have to do my talent perfectly. It was almost like one of my close coaches, Danielle Phelps, Glitter and Goals always says, you go in and you just press play. And I want to say it was Savvy Shields who had said that, but it truly is making sure you're prepared 110% before you step into competition. You should have all your work done. And that's one of those things I learned from the America system and took away from it was 
you don't go to prepare during that week. You are prepared before you show up. Because when you get there, if you're still trying to hustle and bustle and put everything together and you don't know what earrings you have for interview or evening gown or your talent routine isn't done, you are just not where you need to be. You really need to be mentally ready. And that's the hard part that I've never had to or I've had to understand now that I never had before. And I had many of coaches in the past that never taught me that. And that's so weird that they weren't teaching us to be more prepared to going into competition. And so now taking that away and with all the skills that I learned from the Miss America system and the teen system, oh my goodness, like I've flourished. Like you said, the interview skills, the writing different resume skills, like that are that is something that I would have never gotten if I didn't start out in that organization. And now, you know, here I am. I have a pageant podcast. We would have never expected that. I get to talk to people like you, Kim. This is people I've never would have talked to before without this amazing platform and, you know, the stepping stones I had to get me where I am. So ultimately, even though we never got to meet in person or through going to Miss America's Outstanding Teen, I just say thank you for being there and supporting the girls that are wanting to live that legacy and being able to be involved. And you are there supporting them and getting them the scholarship money that they deserve and just being the backbone of those organizations. Even when you're not there, you're still willing to help and lend a hand for whatever you can. But I want to talk a little bit about you before we wrap up. You mentioned that you work you worked with QVC and one of your goals at 25 was to be on television. So how did you do that? I personally would love to know. <laughs> it's kind of crazy because it goes back to kind of the stepping stones to, to win the title. I just had this feeling that I had to compete in the Miss America system and it would help me with skills I needed to, to make this goal come true. You might think now you're a small town girl in West Virginia. How are you going to transition that with a title to working on national TV? But what I got out of it was goal setting number one, visualizing was so important. And that's exactly what you said, knowing 100% that you can do every phase of competition. So at the time I would lie in bed at night and visualize a flawless ballet on point. I would visualize a, a you know impactful interview. I would walk in my gown elegantly. And I even visualized the crown being placed on my head. And I felt the emotions that, that came with that, that win every single night. So by the time I got to the, the, the state competition, everybody said, you're not going to win on your first try. There's no way. And I don't listen to negative people. So I blocked them out. I'm like, TikTok, I'm on a, you know, I'm on a plan here. I've got things to do with my life. And I had won in my head for like 90 days straight. So the final night of competition, I walked into it and just felt so calm and so secure. And I won. And then from that moment on, I started to set some serious goals. In fact, I talked to Candy Reed, who was the producer at Miss, uh, Miss West Virginia she's still there. And she was like, we've never had a fierce like you, like you were a force of nature. <laughs> you were crazy. And I'm like, no, I mean, I, I was writing my own appearance letters. I was writing my own press releases. I was learning how to write a press release because I wasn't a journalism major. I was a theater major. So I had to start to create new skill sets. I was networking with everybody across my state and I was trying to get as much media attention. So I set a goal of, of being on the news or in print somewhere every single week for the the entire year of service. And in fact, I was in the news every single week for two straight years, which helped me get my very first job in news. Because again, I wasn't a journalism major, but I knew somebody who was a news director because he had interviewed me numerous times. So I was hired um, 
to be actually somebody who had interviewed me at Miss America said, you should probably go into weather. You'd be great. And I said, I have no idea even where weather, like, how does it exist? My very first weather cast, I had weather moving from the wrong sides of the, the country. I had no clue what was going on. He came, the little weather guy I was replacing was 70 and he came up to me and he said, maybe read a book. And so I started watching the weather channel every single day before I would go in and then just regurgitating whatever I heard. But the point is, is that I was so overly prepared for everything. I, I didn't want anybody, I didn't want to accept the fact that, that I had to rely on other people to do the work for me. I was going to do it all myself to get it done. And, and that led me to a job at my local TV station, which then led me to sending out a, a tape to QVC and walking through the doors, you know, uh, two years later, after giving up my title of Miss West Virginia, being able to work on national TV. The cool thing was, while I was there, I was working with some serious role models um, that I had really watched. Kathy Lee Gifford, I interviewed her so many times. We sold all of her products on QVC. She emceed Miss America the year that I was there. Denise Austin, I used to work out to every single day on TV. She was a fitness guru. And here I was selling her items. Richard Simmons, uh, Billy Blanks at Tybo, all of these really cool people I had actually looked up to. And there were moments of intimidation that came over me. You know, I'm 25 years old. I'm from a small town. I'm sitting next to Joan Rivers. This is really scary. And I had to realize that, you know, we're all created equally. We all have our own value and our own worth. And what I have to say is just as important as what she has to say. And, you know, we all need to to be respectful of one another. And Joan Rivers was actually probably the hardest working woman in TV and the most respectful person in TV that I ever worked with. So to be able to work alongside of seriously powerful, respectful women was super cool. And it was there that I decided it was time for me to branch out and to try something new. So I guess with anything in life, you just have to take risks. So I quit my job. Um, I said it was you know, time for me just to leave QVC. I had a one-year non-compete. I wasn't going to be able to work for a full year. I just quit. <laughs> and um, I said, it will happen. I know the universe will provide. And at the same time, that's when the teen division for Miss America was starting. And I sat on the boardwalk in Atlantic City at Miss America. And I remember um, talking a friend of mine into running the teen division in West Virginia because I wanted to give back to a program that had changed my life so much. So literally just from one stepping stone to the next, you never know where your life's going to take you. Just enjoy the journey, enjoy the process and always like keep that vision open because everything is coming at you. You get a chance to pick and choose where you want it, where you want it to go. I am so blown away with all of these amazing things that you've done. Like when I had seen your Instagram and it said, you know, former MAO uh, director and then Miss West Virginia and then QVC. In my head, I'm like, I have probably seen you on TV and didn't even realize it. <laughs> That's the funny part because your name looks so familiar. And I'm like, I don't understand why I know this name. But now I'm like, oh, this is what, exactly why I know this name. So that's so awesome. And honestly, I'm just, I'm blown away with all the things that you've done. It is very inspiring. And I'm so glad that the listeners can hear this today and just have a whole different respect for what the pageant world can do for you and in our lives. And so I want to follow this up with the final question I like to ask everyone. In what way has pageants positively impacted you? 
Hmm, that's a great question. I think I go into every day with gratitude. So um, today, knowing I was coming to this interview, I took a moment in my journaling because journaling is so important in life. If you're not journaling, you're not you know changing your life like you should. I try to journal at least three pages every single day, even if I don't want to. And as I was journaling, I was finding the gratitude in being involved in pageants. You know, I started when I was a teenager. We didn't have a lot of money. I could only do one a year. And I would always try to pick and choose which one might take me to the next level so I could work in two. But, <laughs> but having won the title of Miss West Virginia gave me such a voice um, in my community and in life. And it was that ability to learn that I had a voice that created the voice that I am today, the, the career that I have today. So whether you win a title or not, that's my advice to everybody is you have a voice. You know, I've got two boys that run their own nonprofit. They're not wearing crowns around the house. They're not competing in pageants. But my whole message to them is, you know, you can create change, create your own business, create your own entrepreneurship. You can affect your life. Um, by running a nonprofit now, it goes on your college scholarships, it goes on college entrance exams. It just makes you a better person by being involved in your community, by taking up positive space on this planet. So I guess I'm so grateful having been involved in pageants because at at 21, when I won Miss West Virginia, I think that that's probably when I first gained my voice or my self-confidence. I am just so glad that we could sit down and have this episode. And again, I'm so glad that the listeners can hear all of this wonderful advice. This has been such a great episode for them to just listen. And that's the big thing. You're saying you're speaking your truth, being vulnerable with us and telling us about all of these great things that have come to you from the pageant world and just how much that you put in for all of the amazing things that you got out of it. And again, Kim, I just want to thank you so much for being on this episode today and definitely Cannot wait to stay connected and see what you do in the future, especially what your boys do in the future. I'm so proud to say that I know you and so how cool you are. This is so awesome. But again, I just want to say thank you so much for being on this episode today. And you know, guys, you never know what happens in the future. So I guess you'll have to check out next week on another episode of The Crowning Moment. Bye, guys. Bye.